traveling quite a bit uh, in the Bible, so have your Bibles ready. Um, you know, the Lord has really been pressing on me uh, for a few months now with his kingdom and church connection. <coughs> because there is a kingdom and church connection, I think that, uh, and I think I know that the church, uh, meaning local church, has kind of missed and uh, we don't see a lot of uh, apostolic ministries. And when I mean by apostolic, I don't mean, uh, you know, Jesus only, even though Jesus is the only, amen. I don't mean it in terms of denomination. I mean in terms of Bible. Um, we're, you know, we're, the churches are suffering uh, because of, uh, I believe that if you're going to do anything right or anything for God, you do it God's way, uh, scripturally based, Amen. Uh, and a lot of times uh, I believe that uh, tradition that comes through the nomination has choked uh, the word of God and has, has caused the church to dummy their standards, uh, lower the standards of the word of God because they can't meet the standard. Amen. But the Bible tells us that uh, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God's going to raise the standard. Amen. And so if we're going to live a life according to the word of God, our standards in every area uh, has to be raised. There's no such thing as, well, maybe God didn't mean for that to happen. Uh, we need to stop saying, well, maybe it wasn't meant for me to, to get that or it wasn't in God's will. Amen. Uh, especially things that are, that are promised to us through scripture. Now, I'm talking about scripturally based promises. Uh, it's already in God's will for you to do so, but uh, sometimes we just not the right connections. I'm making sense in here. Uh, so I'm going to be doing uh, three days, and tonight I'm just going to really be laying foundation. Uh, and tomorrow, Friday, I'm going to uh, really start digging, uh, digging in. Amen? Uh, so y'all bear with me. Um, uh, one thing, about, one thing about, uh, about God is that we have the ability uh, to know his mind. Go with me to Matthew 13, please, Matthew 13. Uh, Lord, we pray now that you speak through me. Have me do what you want me to do. Let me say no more, no less. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Matthew 13, uh, excuse me, Matthew uh, chapter, yeah, 13, 11 through 13. <clears throat> Pastor Parker's Bible was better than I had Sunday. Letters were bigger. Amen. I don't, I don't think I need glasses. I think I just need a magnifying glass. That's all. No, I, I'm going to make it work. You know, I'm going to make it work. I got 2020. It make no sense. Amen. Y'all there? All right, he says, He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. It is known to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom. So that lets us know a couple things. First of all, Jesus has told a parable and the disciples are trying to get the meaning of it. So Christ is letting them know why he speaks in parables. So here's a couple things we have to understand. We have to understand that the kingdom of God is not going to be recognized or understood by a natural eye. Amen. It's not going to be understood. We can't say, and the scripture even says that, it can't, we can't say there's the kingdom or there's the kingdom or that's the kingdom. It has to be spiritually discerned. Amen. And Jesus says here that they are mysteries that are made known unto us, that are made available to us. And he's speaking to his disciples, and we are also his disciples, so therefore those mysteries are made available for us to know. We have to understand one thing about God. God never wants us to be in the dark in anything. He never wants us to be the last to get the information. He never wants us to be behind somebody else. He always wants us to be the head. So God will always speak, amen, through a prophetic voice to the house of God or to the, the uh, in the Old Testament, it was the nation of, uh, of Israel, but now it's the church. He will speak to the church, and it's our responsibility to take heed on what the prophetic, prophetic voice is saying. Am I making sense? Because there's some mysteries, there's some things we will miss. And everybody in this room at one time, even including myself, has missed some things that God had planned for us. We can be honest. We've missed some things because it wasn't, we didn't understand the revelation or did we go seeking the revelation or did we uh, uh, go and, 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 and release. A lot of times it's our own presuppositions that cause us 
uh, to believe a certain thing or work a certain way. It's our own, you know, uh, being trained uh, denominationally that, that causes us to live beneath our privileges and our means. And then we look back 30, 40 years left in life or, you know, we're 56 years old and we look back on all those missed opportunities that we knew were God. Simply because mysteries that were known unto us, we never look, understood or looked for. Am I making sense in here? We never understood them. So listen, he says, for whosoever hath to him shall be given. Whoever knows these mysteries, the Bible says, Christ says, you will have. That means that these mysteries bring us promise of prosperity. Amen. And I don't mean just financially. I'm talking about even good health. It brings healing. It brings deliverance. It brings everything we need. These mysteries brings things that are essential to life to live life the way God has called it to live. Amen. The more abundant life. He says, he says, whoever has shall be given, whoever have more abundance, uh, and he shall have not only what is given to him, but he shall have more. You see that there. He says, you shall have more abundance. Then that means that God is saying, I'm not just going to give you the mystery and it's just going to bless your life. He says, it's going to, I'm going to give you the mystery and it's going to cause things to come to your life. That's why he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and then all these things shall be what? added I keep telling we don't have to look for nothing we don't have to go reaching for anything all we have to do is search for the kingdom and everything we need for our kingdom assignment is going to be added am I making sense in here monies for building projects shall be added uh, uh, money to travel with monies to to release certain things ministry the people to do the ministry all of this is going to be released when we seek the kingdom am I making sense but he says, but whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that what he has. Now, that, this is serious stuff. He says, whoever does not have these mysteries, he says, what little you do have is going to be taken away. Wow. Has, has, has anyone ever here been in a season where we just felt like we was just losing everything? Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me. I mean, you just felt like you was just loose, and you was praying. Amen. You was seeking the Lord the way you know how, and it still was not working. And what we do is we end up dumbing down God. Oh, amen. It wasn't in his will, must not have been in his will. No, what were we seeking? Because we have to understand, too many times in America, especially in America, the Western Hemisphere, I always say this, that we put God in a, a, in a church box, in a religious box. So therefore, when people find religion, they stop looking for God. I, I joined a church and we stopped our search for God. You know, I got baptized, I stopped my search for God. And now we think we have everything and our life is still defeated. Oh, amen, y'all ain't gonna say nothing, man. You know, we're still struggling in this, still struggling in that, still bound by this, still bound by that, and we're shouting and we're dancing and we're professing Christ, but something is not working. And so what we do is we dummy down Christ, his power and all of his excellence. The Bible says, who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ask or even think. But the next line is the clause, according to the power. What are we allowing to work in us? Am I making sense in here? All right, so, so now he, he, we have the ability to know the mind of Christ. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to start with 14. We have the ability to know the mind of Christ. And I know we have been taught religiously and it's also scripturally, but let me explain this, that, you know, God's ways are above our ways and it starts above our thoughts. That is correct. That means that we can't bring God to where we are, but we must elevate our minds. Amen? Didn't, isn't that what Christ said? Didn't, he, uh, didn't Paul, excuse me, say that if any man be in Christ, what, he is a new creature. All old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The Bible also says to take the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. We as the sons of God has the ability to have the mind of Christ. I don't know if you know how, how serious that is. Uh, let's go to um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting with verse 14. I'm going to read 14 through 16. You there? It says, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. These mysteries. The Bible says the natural man is not going to understand it. For they are foolish unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. 
But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Repeat after me. I have the ability to have the mind of Christ. You have to, the mind of Christ is made available to all those that believe. So we have to understand, see, God's mind is so big that we can't, God couldn't give us everything he knows. Amen. And some things he has to keep hidden and he reveal it in time. So the, the, the closer we walk with him, the more he'll reveal. Am I making sense? He can't give us all of his mind at one time because our minds can't comprehend him. Amen. It will cause our minds to explode. But, but he will piece by piece, bit by bit, and in the fullness of time, reveal everything, every plan and thought he has for you. Am I making sense? And some of our prayers got to change. Amen. Stop worrying about everybody else. Amen. God, what is your plan for me? Because when you understand what your plan for you is, you're not concerned about who doing this and who doing that. and what. You're you worried about your focus and your mission. Am I making sense in here? So we have to understand now that the, the ability to know God's mind, God's mind is poured into us. We have that ability. We have that access unto God to know his thoughts, to know his plans. Amen. Uh, and so we understand that God is what we, they call omniscient, I'm all science. That means all science. That means there's things that God knows that we have the ability to know. God knows every sea creature there is in the sea. You, you can talk to a marine biologist. How do you think, who do you think reveals these things to them? God knows everybody's name upon this earth. The Bible says he knows every hair on every head. Amen. Or lack of. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you know, Y'all laugh a little bit. Amen. Uh, you know, the Bible lets us know that, that God, God knows, see, God knows everything. He's all science. There's nothing that God does not know. And we have the ability to tap into different things, different dimensions in God's mind and that know things that nobody else is going to know. Hallelujah. And know, we, want, we can know what God's next move is. God doesn't do anything on this earth, Amen. Until he, until he lets his people know or his prophets know what he's doing. There's nothing that should come as a surprise. Oh, God, I didn't know that was going to happen. God always warns us. Before he took the people out in the flood, who did he prepare? He prepared Noah. Noah warned those people. But once again, because of, of whatever our mindsets are, these, these natural minds, we reject the things of God. I'm not making sense in here. All right, so now we have to understand that, uh, that this, uh, this kingdom idea, this kingdom idea, uh, it comes from God. And, and we have to understand that God is called a king. All right, God is called a king. Now, I want you to understand something. That if you don't seek God as a king, there's going to be some things you're going to miss. The Bible says that the Magi found Jesus because they were looking for a king. Not a savior. Not a, a heavy load, a burden, heavy load bearer. Not a heart fixer, a mom regulator, all that stuff is great. But they weren't looking. They were looking for a king. And because they were looking for a king, they found Jesus. They found the, the babe Jesus. They found what nobody else could find. Y'all missing this. Everybody, all Harris boys looking around trying to find. They saw a star and because they were looking for the king, they were able to know exactly where the babe Jesus was laying. And, and when we look for a king, we'll find things in God. We'll find th the things of God that nobody else will find. Yes, they will think you're crazy. Yes, they will talk about you. Yes, they will tell you you're super spiritual. Yes, they will tell you you're going to the wrong church. Yes, they will tell you it don't apply to this the religion or denomination. But the devil is a liar. Hallelujah. Because there's no good thing the Bible says will he withhold. Y'all missing this already. There's nothing that God will withhold to those that walk uprightly. The Bible declares unto that when we search for God, God will give us what he says, seek. And he made a promise. You will find. Hallelujah. Go to Genesis 1.1. So, you know, so God is a king. And that's one thing. We, we don't want to get so caught up in everything. Christ's work is finished. We don't need a savior anymore. It's finished work. He's not going back to the cross. What he did for us, what well, he saved us already, that's final. That's, it's finished. He said it on the cross. It is finished. It's done. We have to search for the king. 
Because that's what they call him in Revelations. The king of kings and the lord of lords. We're looking for the king because when he comes back, that's what he's coming back as. A king. Am I making sense? And a judge, but even not for us. Praise God. Hope so. If not, get saved before we leave. Amen. But he's coming back. He's coming back as a king. Amen. Now I want to bring something to your attention. Genesis 1-1. You see this here? It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now I want you to understand something. That what God did, the heavens is God's kingdom. And what the earth is, is a replica and ought to resemble and look like the kingdom of God. Isn't that Christ? Christ said when you pray, he says, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is. That means earth ought to look like heaven. That was God's intent. So what his intent was is for that spiritual or invisible would be manifested and look like the natural. Look what he says here. He said he made the invisible and the visible. Has anybody ever seen heaven? All right, amen. Because it's invisible. Amen. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but heaven right now is invisible. We can't get to heaven in these bodies. That's why the Bible says when we're caught up to meet him, we're going to be transformed. We're going to have new bodies. Amen? So, so, so we have to understand that God has created an invisible heaven and a physical or visible heaven, which is called the earth. Am I making sense? So, so now he, he, wants the, and he wants the visible to look just like the invisible. Am I making sense in here? So that means that there has to be both spiritual and natural working in the church. Amen. There has to be two elements. There has to be a spiritual element and it has to be a natural element if we're going to look like the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is both spiritual and natural. Now, please understand, it's a balance. Now, what he's letting us know is that we can't see the spiritual things naturally. Being carnal, amen, and having natural mindsets, they have to be spiritually discerned. But however, when we see them, we are able to translate them, amen, translate them down into here, amen. That's why the Bible says we're able to speak things that are not. Come on, y'all talking to me now. We have that ability to bring those that are in the invisible to the visible. Anybody ever have an answer prayer? That was the, that was the invisible becoming visible. Am I making sense in here? Now, you might have saw it with your mind, but you didn't, we wasn't able to touch it. You wasn't able to hold it. You wasn't able to spend it. But when God released it, it had to come through this physical. Am I making sense? In order for it to be a blessing to you and others. So there has to be both a natural and a spiritual element. And notice the order. He said he created the heaven and the earth. Spiritual and natural. Spiritual being the one that's in charge or being spirit-led. For the word says that those that are the sons of God, he says, are, are led by the spirit of God. Am I making sense? So there's, there's two elements now. So, so we have to understand that God created heaven and earth together to work together. Heaven and earth works together, not against each other, but together. Am I making sense in here? So, so he, 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 wants, he wants everything that is in heaven to be accessible down here to us on earth, but it cannot be seen through a natural eye. Hallelujah. And the reason why we live underneath our privileges and don't get things that we need is because we're seeing things naturally. Hallelujah. We're not, we're not allowing God to stretch our minds. We're not allowing ourselves to go into different dimensions and able to see God the way he really is. He's a spiritual being. The Bible says God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So there must be human elements as well as spiritual elements working together in church. Uh, the spirit should always influence or impact the natural, not the other way around. First, uh, go, to, go with me to Colossians chapter 1. Y'all bear with me. I hope I'm not boring you. I think at least one person lying. No, I'm just playing. That was a joke. Now, don't y'all call my wife no liar. Amen. <laughs> All right, Colossians chapter 1, y'all there? 13 through 16, it says here, Who hath delivered from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son? Here it is. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible 
invisible, whether they be thrones or domains or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. God created everything for him and by him, by him and for him. Amen? So now what we have to understand is that these, these, uh, these words here, these powers and, and thrones, dominions, are angels. These are angels. And what we actually have is we have authority or we have, the Bible says that he gives angels charge over us. We have the, uh, the, the ability or the, how should I say, the privilege of having angels work for us. Amen. Because we have to understand now, heaven, the way heaven is set up, uh, the angels are called hosts. That's just another word for army. And so when it was time for God to do anything on the earth, before Jesus Christ came, uh, he would use, he would use uh, angels to make the announcement. I'm making sense in here. So just because, so just like it is in heaven, God is giving us the ability to be able to use angels. Amen. Amen. So we have the ability to call angels and dispatch them. Oh, amen. Well, yes, we do. Yes, we do. Uh, that's why your house be getting robbed. Amen. You need to let the angel know, whoever that angel is in your life, you need to let them know, uh, protect my house while I'm gone. You need to send the angels before you to clear the highways out before you leave for work. Come on here, somebody. Because we have, we have this ability. I know it sounds crazy. I don't, but you can stay there and keep being defeated. Amen. But these angels have power and we're able to use them for us to do our bidding. Y'all ain't going to talk to me in here. Before you, before you get a loan for your business, go send an angel down there. Take care of that right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And, and they, they will work certain things out for us, things that we can't even see. Do you understand that they're working for us? They keep us from things that are supposed to happen that don't even happen. We don't even know they're going on. Accidents that we walked away from. We didn't even know that an accident was supposed to happen today. He kept us from, uh, from people breaking into our homes. He kept us from, from people even coming and, and, and robbing us and, and, and doing uh, all manner of things, things that we can't even see or even think. God protected us. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to understand that. I'm going to write something down if you want. I'm giving you this. There's about nine angels. That, that we, that here, here's are the angels. Uh, they're seraphim. All right, these angels are the closest to God. They praise God and represent his love. All right, there are only four of them. Their primary mission is to protect the throne of God. They have six wings to cover their faces, two to cover their bodies, and two to cover their feet. Isaiah 6-2. These angels are the closest to God. They praise God and represent his love. There are only four of them. Their primary mission uh, is to protect the throne of God. The cherubim. Genesis 3.24, these angels are the second highest in the nine hierarchies of angels. They are intercession, intercessors of God. Their mission is also to protect the throne of God. They are fierce angels. When they, came to, when they come to earth, they have great power of apocalypse nature. They have four faces, one of a man, one of an ox, one of an eagle, and one of a lion. Amen. Uh, the next angel is thrones. Colossians 1.16, their name literally means throne or highly uh, ornamented chair. These angels dispense God's divine judgment. The lower hierarchies of angels need the thrones to gain access to God. Amen? Dominions, Colossians 1.16, these are the angels of leadership. They regulate the duties of the angels. They give power to the heads of the government and, and other authority figures. They have the appearance of human with wings. And then we have uh, number five is virtues. First Peter 3.22, these angels are known as the spirits of motion and control the elements. They govern all nature and perform miracles. They provide courage, grace, and valor. The Bible says about powers, Colossians 1.16, these angels have the task of controlling the border between heaven and earth. They are warrior angels who fight against evil. They are the angels of birth and death. Amen. Principalities, Colossians 1.16, these angels look over groups of people. They are in charge of, uh, of the world's nations, cities, and towns. Their duties include taking charge of religion, politics, and the duties of the angels on earth below them. Uh, eight is, are the archangels, 1 Thessalonians 4.16. These angels are the chief angels, guardians of people, and all things physical. They appear only in human form. They have the task of being God's messenger to people at critical times of need. 
And lastly, we have angels throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. These angels act as a personal guardian. They deliver prayers to God and God's answer and messages to us. They have the task of nurturing, counseling, and healing us. Amen? All right, so these nine angels. Now, so we have to understand that one thing is that Satan was also an angel. Now, now Satan was a cherub. The Bible tells us that. And he also was an archangel. Now, we understand that he was an archangel because he was the guardian of earth before uh, God even created Adam and Eve. So he, so, amen, okay. So just bear with me now. So he was the guardian of his job. Let's go to the, let's go to the scripture so we can, we can look at this. Let's go to, uh, let's go to, um, where is it at? Uh, Ezekiel 28. Yeah, Satan's job was to bring, the Bible says, merchandise from earth to heaven. Now there, Ezekiel 28, 18. It says, thou hast defiled, and they're talking about Satan, thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee, it shall devour thee, and I will bring thee ashes upon the earth in the sight of all of them. Now listen, he says, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Traffic. By the iniquity of thy traffic. What this is saying is that Satan's job, now and there's some theologians that, that believe that there was a pre-Adamic race that was here before God created Adam and Eve. And there was a pre-Adamic race that lived down here. And what, they would, what, what Satan's job was, Satan's job was to come to earth and bring the praise and the worship that this pre-Adamic race was giving and give it back and bring it back to God. The Bible says here that Satan had sanctuaries. It said that Satan had sanctuaries set up. Amen. And so what he was doing was instead of allowing or bringing the praise uh, back to God, he was taking the praise for himself. Am I making sense in here? Because his mindset, we see this in Ezekiel and also in Isaiah, was that he was going to exalt himself above the thrones of God. So he had a mindset that he was going to exalt himself before the thrones of God. So the praise and worship uh, that was supposed to get to God never got to God because he kept it to himself. Amen. So that's why, that's why the Bible says the iniquity of his traffic. Because he was a traveler. He was able to come from heaven and earth. Am I making sense? I mean, this thing about this in Job, the Bible says, uh, he asked God, God asked Satan, he said, where are you coming from? He says, he said, I'm coming from to and fro on the earth. To and fro on the earth. So that means he has the ability to go to, still has the ability to go to and fro on the earth and even to heaven because the Bible says that, that Satan came and presented himself with the rest of the angels. Amen. So, so, here, so now we know that Satan's job was, like I said, to carry the worship of this pre-Adamic race that some theologians believe existed to God, and he didn't do it. He kept it for himself, and that caused him to be prideful. Anytime you don't give God praise and glory, that's why they was up here trying to prompt and prompt me, not because it's religious, but because if God has done something for you, the Bible says that the Redeemer, the Lord, say so. And every time you don't give God praise and don't release what he's done for you, you become like Satan. Oh, you ain't going to talk to me in here. The reason being because you thought it was you that brought yourself out. Oh, come on here. You start giving credit to the medication. You start giving credit to the doctor. You start giving credit to, to you, your mastermind, or whatever you think it is. But the bottom line is that but for the grace of God, none of us will be sitting on here today. Am I talking to anybody in this room here? Somebody just yell out the grace of God, grace of God. All right, so we understand that Satan now. So Satan already has a kingdom down here before God even created Adam. There's already a kingdom operating, a kingdom principle operating because he, he is the antichrist. So he, he duplicates what God does and he taints it and perverts it. Satan can't create nothing. I mean, he's not a creator. God is the only creator there is. He's the only creator that is on earth. Even us, we can't create anything. Only thing we can do is what God tells us to do. God is the final. He is the creator. But the Satan can come and take God's creation and pervert it. 
Amen. Because Satan has vices. Amen. Uh, and it, it, he, he has he has abilities. We can't not uh, uh, we cannot ignore the power of Satan, even though he's not more powerful than God. But we can't ignore the power of Satan. Amen. He has power. Am I making sense of it? And he also has imps. Go to Revelation chapter nine. He also has demons. Amen. That he has power over. Because he's he's not omnipresent. Meaning he can't be messing with me and messing with, with somebody in China at the same time. But he has access to people or, excuse me, spirits that can. Tormenting spirits. Am I making sense in this room? And, and believe it or not, there's thousands upon millions. The Bible says in, in Revelations that, that he took a third of the angels. Because he had a team. When God sent him down here, he sent him with a third of the angels down here to do his work. But, but then, like I said, he perverted not only himself, he not only perverted the people, but he also perverted the angels. And God cast him and these angels out with them. A third of the angels, the Bible says. And that's millions upon millions. That's how many tricks and vices that the enemy has for us. Y'all ain't going to talk to me in here. Boy, if you don't think you need Jesus... I tell you right now, because the blood is the only re reason why certain things have passed over us. Y'all not going to talk to me in here. Isn't that what he told Moses? He said, tell him to put the blood on the doorpost. And when I send the death angel, he said, it'll pass over. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that covers us and allows sickness to pass over. Homosexuality, Passovers. Adultery, Passovers. Come on here, somebody. It's all kinds of things that we can't even think about that the enemy was trying to use against us. But then he saw the blood. Oh, my God. He didn't respond off your praise. He didn't respond off your worship. No, he responded because there was blood on you. And he realized that you were protected by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you. Y'all there in Revelations 9 1. All right, 9 1 says, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven that was Satan unto the earth, and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. The key to the bottomless pit. And if you keep reading, the Bible says that he let loose. He says, uh, uh, they, they, they equivalent this to, um, not legions, but equivalent this to, um, uh, to locusts. He said he released, and these things came out of this pit like locusts. And I said, like I said on Sunday, locusts traveled about 600,000 in one, bun one bundle. This is huge. He said, I'm sending these things out. He has the key to them. I'm making sense. All right. Now, and I know uh, we've been taught, amen, uh, that, that, that these fallen angels are these demons, amen. We've all heard that, amen. But let's, let's go real quick to uh, Jude chapter, uh, no, let's go to 2 Peter first, 2 Peter. Uh, just one step back, or two steps back, excuse me, from Revelations, or three, I'm sorry, here we go, Second Peter 2, 4, it says, for if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, all right, now, now move on, let's move up to Jude. Jude chapter 1, verse 6, it says here, And the angels which kept their first estate, which not, well, I'm sorry, the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved an everlasting change under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Now we have to understand, the Bible is saying that these angels are bound. So how can they be messing with us if they bound? Well, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that these angels are bound in hell, waiting for the judgment. Now, the hell and the pit are two different places. Now, we understand the pit, the pit is like the abyss, amen, or the water. Am I making sense? All right, so, so if you remember uh, when Jesus uh, came and encountered that man that was possessed by the demon in the graveyard, he says, please don't, ca he says, don't cast us out. Don't cast us down into the, the, to the abyss because that's where they reside. This is where these, 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 these demons reside, but these demons are not the angels. It says in Scripture that the angels are bound. And they're waiting for the judgment. So now, some theologians believe that these angels were this pre-Adamic race that was destroyed when God destroyed the earth the first time. Amen. Amen. So, and, and, and remember, he, and so some believe that there was a pre-Adamic flood before Noah. 
Amen. So that's why you see in Genesis 1-1, you see the spirit hovering over the face of the deep, hovering over the face of the water. Amen. Because the earth was covered with water. Am I making sense? All right. So, so now we have to understand that he has ability, Satan has power over these uh, demonic spirits. Uh, like I said, hundreds of thousands of them, and they do exactly what he said for them to do. Am I making sense? All right. So now we have to understand now uh, that, that Satan worked as a mediator in this kingdom, in, this, in the kingdom of God at one point. He was served as a mediator, mediator between man and God, just like Jesus Christ did. That's why he hates Jesus, because Jesus took his job. Oh, amen. Amen. He, he replaced him. Am I making sense? He replaced him. All right. So, so now we know that, uh, that Satan has a kingdom set up already before, uh, before, before Adam is even created. So that's why when God spoke to Adam, he said certain things. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. Now, this word here for create is bearer in the Hebrew. We have to understand now that this word is only, um, is only used when it comes to God. So God is the only one that can create. You will not see this Hebrew word bearer in reference to anybody else. All right? All right. So here we have in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says uh, in verse 26 uh, to 28, here's what he says. He says, uh, Genesis 1, 26 to 28, he says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, he had already created the angels. We know in Job that, that the angels were created before man. But the angels weren't created in God's image. Am I making sense? They weren't created in his likeness. Am I making sense in here? So, so what God says now, this time I'll create, listen, listen to what he does. He says, I'll create a being lower than Satan, but yet give him authority over Satan. Y'all just missed that. He said, I'll create a life form lower than him. But in, in to show my glory, to show that I got the upper hand, to show Satan that he didn't get nothing done, I'll put my spirit in them. I'll make them in my image. Oh, God. And, and then he says, he says, he says, I'll make them in their image, and he says, in, in, my, in my likeness, and they'll have a dominion and authority over, this, over the, the serpent, over Satan. Am I making sense? So that means you have authority over Satan. That's why James said, resist the devil, and he will what? That's all you got to do. This resist them. You have power over the enemy. And it's just not a cliche. Amen. All right, Genesis 1. Y'all right there, 26? All right, now listen to this. Listen to this. He says, and God, God created, uh, 26, here we go. And God said, let us make man in our image after our own likeness and let them have dominion over the fish. See that? And the sea and the fowl of the air over the cattle over all, uh, every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. You see that? He says, I'm giving him dominion over everything. I'm, I'm, making, I'm making this man in my image, and I'm giving him the power and dominion to run the kingdom down here. Am I making sense? All right, let's keep going. He says, so God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he them, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them, listen to this, be fruitful and multiply and replenish. He says, re. Now, I know replenish, I think, is the only, this word replenish is only used in the King James. But he said to replenish the earth. And this is what he said. He says, and subdue it. Now, this word in Hebrew means to conquer. Am I making sense? So, he says, subdue this thing. So, that means, so who, who he had to conquer? Satan. That was the first thing. The first thing we have to understand in the kingdom of man is that we got to have authority. We have to conquer Satan. The diabolos. The enemy. That we have authority and power over. He said subdue the land. What he is saying is take away the culture that he created and recreate the kingdom culture that I intended to be upon this earth. And that is the struggle right now that we have only because we're not using the kingdom authority that we have. We're still trying to create, recreate cultures. We're still trying to fight the enemy, but I've stopped by to tell you, stop fighting him. He's defeated. Come on here, somebody. We need to take, we need to take a lesson from Jude. The Bible says that when the archangel uh, was taking up the bones of Moses 
And Satan came to make an accusation against him, tried to test him, tried to stop him. He said, I ain't messing with you, Satan. The Lord God rebuke you. We have to stop thinking that we got to fight. The Bible says the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. Paul said, put on the whole armor of God and do what? Stand. Y'all ain't going to talk to me in this room. You don't got to fight the enemy. He's already defeated. Anytime the enemy comes at you, the Lord God rebuke you. Y'all ain't going to talk to me in this room. And then he's got to go. Anytime sickness, the Lord God rebuke you. Anytime starts a suicide, the Lord God rebuke you. Anytime you get a bad report, the Lord God rebuke you. I'm not, I don't have to fight this thing. Hallelujah. I don't have to uh, waste my time and energy in fighting some, some angel. That's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to change the culture down here. And see, too many of us are trying to fight the enemy. And what we have to understand is that we don't have power to fight in the invisible. Y'all ain't going to talk to me in this room. Our bodies aren't made to fight on his turf. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me. So when the enemy comes, he wants us to fight him on his turf. Because he'll know he'll get us. But anytime he shows up here on earth. Anytime he shows up in a tumor. Y'all missing it. Anytime he shows up, Pastor Martin, in a swelled leg. Anytime he shows up in your spouse. Anytime he shows up in your household or on your job, all you got to do is just stand and say, the Lord God rebuke you. Y'all ain't excited about this. Anytime he shows up in that addiction, that reoccurring addiction to want to drink and want to smoke and to run to one with women, all you got to do is just plant your feet and stand and say, the Lord God rebuke you. When he comes on our turf, he cannot defeat us. Oh, God. Hallelujah. He, he can't defeat it. That's why he tries to get us when we're dreaming. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me in here. He'll try to get us when we're in between, in between heaven and in between earth. We're, we're closest to death when we're asleep. So he knows we're the most vulnerable. But every time he tries to bother us in our sleep, there's that angel that's watching. Y'all ain't going to talk to me in here. There's that angel that he gave charge over us. And while we're going through and think we got the rest of the angel. Is interceding for us. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me in this room. That's what we have. We have that kingdom authority. The Bible says, and nothing by any means shall harm you. We are unstoppable on this earth. My God. Because he gave us dominion over every living thing that is upon this earth. All right. So he says, uh, he says, Every beast, every fowl, okay. Yeah, given every herb and the meat, okay. Very good. So now, here's another thing I want you to understand. I want you to understand now that there's another account in Genesis 2, chapter 7. This is right next door. It says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, here it says in 28 or 27, God created man, created, and here the Bible says, God formed. These are not two separate accounts. Amen. We have to understand in the book of Jeremiah, he tells Jeremiah, I know the, that, you know, he says, before you entered into your mother's womb, I knew you. So, so what we have to understand is these are not two different accounts. The creation and formation are two different processes. You have to understand. All right, amen. So what I'm saying is that what God did before you got here, God created you. Yeah, he created you in heaven. And notice now, when he formed the man, uh, he formed the man and gave him an earthly body. Am I making sense? He formed them out of dirt. And, so, and see, what the problem with us is we always want to downgrade dirt. But you have to understand that when God called the, uh, the, the, the seeds to come from out the ground, he blessed it. Y'all missing this in here. So, so, so not, only are, do, not only do our spirits have dominion, but our bodies are blessed because we're made with that blessed soil. So, 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 so now there's a difference between creation, and I want you to understand something. He didn't give your flesh dominion. He, he didn't give your flesh authority. He gave your spirit. Because the, the spirit that he created before he put you into a body is what he anointed. Oh, my God. That's why your spirit can do things at your body. Paul says, when I'm weak, that's when. The best thing that can happen to you is that flesh get weak. That's why when you go on a fast, you get more, you get more strong spiritually. 
Because, because when your flesh gets weak, that's when your spirit knows what to do. Oh, you ain't going to talk to me. I told you this thing, this thing is only spiritually discerned. These mysteries only spiritually discerned. We can't keep doing it in the flesh. We can't keep trying to seek God in the flesh. Seeking God mad. Seeking God defeated. We got to know who we are in the spirit. And the Bible says that we are more than conquerors. We are above and not beneath. We are, are, are blessed in the city. We're blessed in the field. We're blessed when we come. He said we're blessed when we go. We have to understand uh, that we are the chosen of God. The Bible says that, that, we, uh, that we are the predestined, the elect. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who, who, whom he predestinated, them he also called. Who he called, he justified. Who he justified, he glorified. And what shall we say to these things that if any man be against us? That if God, excuse me, be for us, who shall? If God be for us, who shall be against us? Am I talking to anybody in this room? Your spirit is able to do things that your flesh can't do. So what? They done cut into your body six million times. That ain't stopping your spirit. Y'all ain't going to talk to me in this room. There's no reason why you should be walking after what you've been through. But because your spirit didn't die. Some of us, some of y'all have been through the worst abusive relationships in your life and you should have died at, at that man's mercy, but it was your spirit. Am I talking to anybody in this room that kept you alive when your body wanted to give up? Am I talking to anybody here that ever wanted to give up but something wouldn't let you die? The, the drugs had you defeated and you knew that you couldn't do nothing but your spirit kept resurrecting. Am I making sense to anybody in this room? That's the reason why it doesn't make a difference how long your body lays at the rest. It doesn't make a difference how long your body is dead. It doesn't make a difference if it's rotted. It doesn't make a difference if it's smelling. When God shows up to your graveyard, when he shows up to the place where your body is buried, he'll call your spirit to reconnect to that dead flesh and you will get up. My God. Touch your neighbor and tell them I'm coming back. 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 Don't judge me by how I look. Don't judge me by the, the tears that I shed. Don't judge me because I'm coming here with a cane and I'm limping and, and I don't feel my best. Don't judge me if I've got a, a, a limp in my leg. Don't, don't judge me if one arm is shorter than the other because it's not by power nor by might but by my spirit. Says the Lord. Somebody shout it's the spirit of God. That's the only thing that's keeping you alive is the Holy Spirit. The only thing that's keeping you in line is the Holy Spirit. The only thing that's keeping you coming to church is the Holy Spirit. It ain't your dress. It ain't your collar. It ain't how good you can sing. But it's the Spirit of God. The Bible says it leads us. Oh, God, y'all ain't going to talk to me here. That's the only reason why you made it out of your wilderness situation because the Bible lets us know that after Jesus was baptized, it said the Bible says that the Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. Yes, it's even the Spirit that's driving you into the hard places of your life. You ain't going to talk to me in this room. But, but, but to God be the glory because if the Spirit got me here, y'all not going to talk to me. It's going to be that same Spirit. That's going to bring me out. Is there anybody can I just preach for just about two seconds? I promise I'll go back to teaching. No matter what you're going through, if God can just strengthen your spirit, if you can just remember that it's going to be your spirit that's going to rise on the last day, if you can just remember that it's going to be the spirit that's going to be able to defeat the powers of the air, if you can just remember it's going to be your spirit that's going to keep your mind in check and your body in check, if you would just understand that when you submit to the spirit of God, God will strengthen the spirit that he placed in you before you came through your mother's womb that's why I don't care what your flesh gets involved in y'all ain't gonna talk to me in here it, 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 the enemy's gonna try to get your flesh involved in many things but I've stopped by here to tell you as long as you keep connecting to the word of God that the word of God when it connects to your spirit will cause your body to come out of that situation It'll cause your body to leave drugs after 17, 18 years of getting high. It'll cause your body to leave that man after you thought you couldn't live without him, but he won't marry you. It'll cause you to leave that church that keeps abusing the anointing that God has placed inside of you. It'll cause you to leave your job to do mission work and you don't know where your money's coming from, but somehow God supplies your need. Somebody yell out, it's the spirit. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says grieve not the Holy Spirit. You can't afford to have the Spirit of God grieved. 
Oh my God. You upset anybody you want to make anybody else mad, but don't make the Spirit of God mad. David knew how valuable the Spirit of God was. So when he prayed, he said, Lord, if you take this kingdom from me, I'll be fine. Lord, if you take my gift from me, I'll be fine. But whatever you do, don't take your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. The Spirit. He created a spirit and then he placed us in a blessed vessel. Hallelujah. And then the Bible says that he breathed into us the spirit of life and then the man became a living soul. Hallelujah. Man became a living soul. Now, I want you to understand something here. That, that, that this living soul here with this form is to shape, mold into a form of his workmanship. Paul says that we are his workmanship. And he, he makes us, he molds us. You know, Jeremiah gives us the, the, uh, the uh, you know, analogy of the powder and the clay. Uh, this is what the, we get the feel of the formation. This is what that means that he forms us. Amen? Uh, now I'm almost finished. Now, one thing we have to understand, we're going to leave with this uh, thing tonight, and then we'll pick up tomorrow on some more stuff. Amen? But what is the kingdom of God? If the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, what is it? If the Bible says that all these things are going to be added unto us after we find it, after we seek it, and there's righteousness, then what is the kingdom of God? You might think that's a hard question, but it's not. What is the kingdom of God? Well, let's go to Luke. Luke 17. Hallelujah. Luke 17, y'all there? All right, 20 and 21. And the Bible says, and he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come. He answered them and, and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is with the kingdom of God is living inside of you. That's how close we are to God. That's how close we are to heaven. We're so close that it's inside of us. Through the Holy Spirit. That, that's, that's, that's how close. So, so we understand <clears throat> that the kingdom of God is invisible. It lives inside of us. <clears throat> Amen. Romans 14, 17. Let's go there. Romans 14, 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Once again, not tangible things, but things that bring, bring us joy. Thing that, things that bring us victory. Now, John, let's go back to John. John 18.36. Uh, John 18.36 lets us know that this kingdom is not of the world. Now, this is a very interesting scripture because uh, we know we say that Jesus never said a mumbling word. We know we say that. Uh, and, 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 it's, and it's true to, to a point uh, because Christ didn't say anything when he was uh, with the, the priests, the scribes and Pharisees, with the religious leaders. He didn't speak. If you, if you read, he didn't say nothing until he got to, I mean, until he got to, um, until he got to, uh, not Pharaoh, uh, Herod, Herod, until he got the Herod. He didn't open his mouth and respond until he got the Herod. Now, why, why do you think that is? Because he was speaking king to king. He, he wasn't concerned about religious people. He didn't care about their opinions. He Say what you want about me, I ain't answering nothing. But when he got into the court of a king, listen to this, he had enough respect to answer him. I'm going to make it sit down. Watch, now watch this, watch this, watch this. He says, uh, 1836, you know, Herod asked him a question. Uh, he, he, let's go to 35. Pilate answered, sorry, Pilate. It wasn't Herod, Pilate, I'm sorry. Pilate answered, said, I, am, I, am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priest have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. 
His kingdom is not from here, but is to be set up here. Now, I'm going to get into that tomorrow about ambassadors and, and show, show you a couple things in here about Rome. But his kingdom is not from here. Let's go to Mark. This is our last scripture for tonight. Matthew, uh, you go to Mark 4. Mark chapter 4. It's going to be 26 to 32. Y'all with me? All right. And he said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself first the blade, then the ear, after the full corn. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth the sickle, because the harvest is come. Now, this is very interesting, because the Bible says that the man, now anybody here knows anything about farming, farming or anything about planting a garden, you can't just plant a seed and a tree grow, or a flower grow. You gotta continually work it. The seed is not that strong to just put and be put in the ground and grow. It has to be watered. It has to be tilled. But that's not how the kingdom of God is. Y'all missing this. He says if we would just take the kingdom message and plant it in the earth, we don't have to keep struggling and going back. God, he says, no, if you just go ahead and, and put it in the ground and relax. He says it's potent enough to grow on its own. Y- y'all missing this. Y'all missing. He said, you ain't got to keep beating folks on top of the head, not when it comes down to the kingdom. Just put it in the ground. Put it in the soil. Put it in the people and let it do its job. Am I making sense in here? And the Bible says that he knoweth not how. That's a mystery. How did that, how did that thing grow? Amen. There, there were, there were, let me tell you something. Some of us in here got saved uh, simply because of some, a word somebody spoke years ago. And even after they spoke the word, we still went on doing what we wanted to do. And we thought we was going to run from it. We thought we was going to ignore it. Some of us thought the word that died in us. But hallelujah, the word was just growing in us. And before you know it, the thing that was on the inside was busting and coming through on the outside. Am I talking to anybody in this room? So, so then he says, look at this. Then he says, for the earth bringing forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth it in the sickle because the harvest is come. The kingdom message, message causes the harvest to show up. Y- y'all missing this. All right, all right, let me give you an example here and then I'm done. The Bible says that John the Baptist preached one message. One message, and the message was repent for the kingdom of God is here. That's all he preached. That's all he preached. And listen to this. The Bible says that people would leave the city to come into the wilderness to hear that same message about the kingdom. So that means they would leave where there was shade because the wilderness was no trees. It was nothing but dirt, hot sun, amen. was no food out there. They would leave their plenty. They would leave uh, their air conditioners. We're just using our imaginations now. They would leave the comforts of their own home and they would come to the place that was barren and hear a message about the kingdom. Jesus shows up. John disappears. And Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. I don't want to deal with the, with the laborers of here. He said the harvest is plentiful. Why do you think the harvest got plentiful? Because of all those people that John baptized after receiving the gospel of the kingdom. It's right there in scripture. He said the harvest is plentiful. When the kingdom is preached, the harvest will come. Amen. Hallelujah. Put your hands together. What, what, what I want to encourage everybody to do is to understand is that it's not hard work. You know, not, and don't get me wrong. I'm not, I don't want to be pastor for about four years now. I'm not saying that it's easy, but it's not labor. 
shouldn't be labored. When we preach the kingdom message, the Bible says the harvest has come. All we have to do is to sit back and relax and wait for the harvest because one thing God is not is a man that he should lie. And if he said he's going to do it, everybody's standing. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Father God, we just thank you for this time that we shared. We pray now that this word will do exactly what it was set forth to do. We thank you for showing yourself mighty in this place. We thank you for answering our prayer. We thank you for healing us and delivering us and leading us and directing us. Help us to be better followers. Help us to not be complainers and ungrateful people, but help us to see your blessing in every situation and in all things give thanks. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Who do I get to